0: Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show with Lisa and Nancy, publishers of Big Blend Magazines and nature photographer Margo Carrera. Welcome everybody to our special four-part series here on the Big Blend Radio Nature Connection Show focusing on nature destinations, where you can connect with nature. So this is part two. First episode featured our co-host, Margot Carrera, who is a fine art nature photographer. And we talked about sacred spaces and how to actually connect with nature. We talked about experiences in Africa, Big Bear Lake. Um, and also even Texas. We went around the world, basically. Now we're going to go around the world again. We have Linda Ballou joining us. Linda Ballou is a travel writer and author. She's also a podcast host here on Big Blend Radio with her Lost Angel Adventures series. She talks about her nature connection adventures in Ecuador and also talks about her backyard, which is Los Angeles. Then we also chat with award winning travel writer and photographer Jamie Edwards, who talks about Stowe. In Vermont, and Jamie has traveled the world. Uh, She has gone from Morocco to hanging out with uh, silverback gorillas in Uganda. So, uh, trust me, you are going to enjoy these two podcasts. From there, we're going to chat with Lisa Evans and also uh, Diane Dobry and Katie Walls, also three travel writers. They're on the third episode, talking about uh, coastal Mississippi and Florida. And we also chat with Steve and Karen Wilson and Joe Clark about North and South Carolina. So that's the uh, third and fourth episode. So stay tuned for that. Everything can be listened to on BigBlendRadio.com and YouTube.com forward slash at BigBlendRadio. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our Nature Connection show, talking about places where you can connect with nature. Have those moments and truly connect, whether you're looking at a little ant on a leaf to maybe a monkey in the jungle, who knows? But right now, we're going to go to Ecuador. We're going to go to Sasha Lodge with Linda Ballou, who's a travel writer, world traveler, outdoor adventurist and an author of the Lost Angel Travel Adventures book series and also the host of the podcast Lost Angel Travel Adventures that she does here on Big Blend Radio every third Wednesday. I encourage you to go to her website, lostangeladventures.com, and the story she's going to talk about today is from her book, Lost Angel Unleashed. It's uh, out now, and you can go get it again, lostangeladventures.com. As always, the links are in the show notes, so it's a jungle out there, Linda.
1: Welcome back. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Lisa. I'm looking forward to reliving my experiences at the Sacha Lodge. Oh. The, it's on the Napo River, which is a part of the Amazon. And it's just a totally immersive experience in nature. If you have the desire to connect with the great outdoors, this is a wonderful opportunity. First, you fly into Quito, and then you take another short hop down to a a dock where you get onto a boat, a canoe, actually. It's a very long canoe, and you go up the Napo River for uh, an hour or so, and so you're really out there. And then you pull up to a dock, and you hike in a half a mile or so to get to the lodge, and once you are at the lodge... There's no cell phones, there's no boom boxes, there's Mm -hmm. no connection with civilization whatsoever. It is all, it's a, it's an echo lodge and it is run by the indigenous people. And yeah, totally indigenous, all men uh, do the guiding and the cooking. They believe the women should be at home with the children so that was an interesting aspect of it that it, you know, all the wow. cooking, you know, was done by men. So um, each day you have different got nature walks uh, of different varieties. You know, one day you'll go through um, the trees, through these giant trees, and you'll climb up this ladder that they've built onto a kapok tree that takes you up higher than the canopy of the trees. And so you can see the blooms that are on top of the canopy because there's no sun on the on the forest floor, so all the blooms are on the top. So you have this forest of blooms; uh, it's just incredible. And you like you feel like you're climbing Jack and the Beanstalk or something. I mean, it's really a cool That's thing. That's cool. And the other really fun thing I did with them was um, we took a smaller canoe into the jungle through these riverways and um, there was a I guess you would call it a flock of capuchin monkeys I don't know whether they're a herd or a flock but a whole bunch of them like a hundred of them jumping from over our head you know in the tree canopy with the risk of some of them, one of them falling on your head you know if they missed the that's limb that's cool They were really cute. And, you know, I mean, as I say, there was no outside noise. There was no planes. There was no cars. There was no sirens. There was none none of it. You know, you were just totally immersed in nature and it was wonderful. And your rooms were very nice, you know, nice modern amenities, with the exception that your wall was a screen to the forest, to the jungle. Hmm. So at night you had a full-tilt orchestra of insects. I mean, it was really loud. It was really phenomenal. It was really beautiful. It was very lulling. And you you really got a sense of the, the life. The jungle hmm. is just throbbing with life. And in the daytime, you would see these blue morph butterflies wafting, Ooh. which is absolutely incredible. Ooh. And, yeah... <laughs>
0: The birds. I, mean, I wanted to touch on the all birds the, birds, the birds. The
1: birds. The birds. Six hundred species. Six hundred yeah, the species. Birds, they had a, a special uh, walkway uh, high up. You know, you climbed up, and they had like a, a walkway where you could get up and scope the birds. Toucans were quite common. Oh. The weaver birds. I mean, I oh. can't name all the birds, um, but you know, many, many many, many beautiful birds, and they, they got you a way to see them because, once again, the forest is so dense that from the forest floor, you don't – it's hard. To, you see the insects, like you see the trails of the cutter ants, which are, you know, cool. very – yeah, very cool. They're neat. A, They're neat. A tarantula or two, you know, they will point out the – they'll find the insects for you and give you give mm. you the story behind the insects. But the other thing that I thought was so fantastic – the lodge is situated on Black Lake, and we went out at night. And then at that point, we were totally immersed in the envelope of a, the dark sky. You know, there was no uh, ambient light. And they took a laser beam and drew the constellations for us in the heavens. And I I just was so taken with that. I thought, and it was so peaceful, oh. so quiet and so still. Uh, but of course, you could see the little eyes of the caiman, which are like little tiny alligators that hang around on the shore and the reeds. <laughs> so they, you know, I mean, and there are piranha in the lake, but they're little ones. Um, I did swim in the lake. On uh, without any problems, and so did some of the other guests. But many of the guests didn't swim in the lake because they were, you know, a little nervous about the piranhas. But they're baby, they're little ones. They're not, you know, really the ones horrible. that really chew on you, yeah, Tear you apart. Want, no, no, yeah.
0: I wanna, I wanna <laughs> ask you this because I think you bring up some, some really good points. Number one, monkeys are like the fools. Like if you, you were talking on our um, horse book show about tarot cards, and I always said, well, why do I keep getting the fool? Well, maybe it's because I love the monkeys in the forest, because monkeys <laughs> remind us to laugh at ourselves. And monkeys also are very, um I want to say, they take care of their young. They're incredibly sensitive, more than we think of the way their antics are funny. But it's kind of the same thing as human beings, like comedians are like the monkeys of society. And I mean this in a positive way, in that they're funny. They make us laugh, but they yeah. they know how to make us laugh, well, because they're sensitive.
1: My- You know, that that uh, flight of monkeys over our head was hysterical. We were all laughing. It was really, really very cute. And, you know, they would grab one another if someone was starting to one of them was starting to fall. They would catch their friend and drag them on. That was cute. Wow.
2: But I have to say
1: the other wonderful thing about Satya Lodge is uh, that the cooking was very interesting as all indigenous people cooking a lot of vegetarian dishes that were very interesting and very flavorful. I mean, of course, they had fish uh, like tilapia is a pretty common fish down there. But anyway, uh, yeah, just the, the trying the different foods and they served it in a buffet style so that you could experiment with all sorts of different dishes. It was it was a really fine experience and it wasn't that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't recommend that enough. And, um, so Mm. for me, nature is my salvation and I Mm -hmm. go for a walk every day in my park, which is the largest urban preserve in the United States. I'm lucky enough to live in nature. I made it a point to live in nature. Let's put it that way. What's your park? Tell everybody what the park is. Oh, I live in the Santa Monica mountains. Santa Monica um, National Preserve, National Park yeah, and Preserve. Right. It's, uh, but it's you know, along the You have the mountain coast. lion babies. You have, I've been we watching do, those mountain lion babies. We, we do have mountain lions. They're few and far between, but we do have them. I have coyotes in my yard. I've seen bobcat cool. in my yard. Uh, I do get bucks, deer, you know, um, raccoons but i i like living with the wildlife and every day around too i go for a walk for a couple of hours out into the mountains to clear my head let let, let my mind relax you know uh, let uh creativity bubble up you know mm-hmm. just uh, it gives me freedom uh, uh you know for my mind to to clear and just walking you know gets uh, Blood into your bones Mm -hmm. and your brain, you know, keeps your Mm -hmm. body alive. But I think that, you know, nature is big enough to absorb whatever might be troubling us. Um, Mm -hmm. In my novels, my characters, all of them go into nature uh, to find solace, Mm -hmm. sustenance, and strength. And a lot of them are healing from something traumatic. Isabella Bird. Look nice. at her.
0: I mean, and then, you know, you've got certain women that end up also with some chronic, you know, some illnesses or it's like a, it's like a free to call a story really with, you know, addiction comes in when it comes to medications and, and maybe a little too much wine or something. But you have these women that go through something traumatic in their lives, whether it be, uh, physical pain or, just trying to break society chains. And they do. And, and I love your historical novels. Uh, I really do. Nancy and I both. And, you know, just even the ones that aren't too historic, um, you know, you manage to show that there's hope. And I think nature shows us resiliency every single day. But as humans, sometimes we take that for granted and overstep our line. But nature does
1: show hope, I believe. Absolutely. Well, Jimsy, my, uh, little character in the cowgirl jumped over the moon. You know, I like her. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. she has, uh, extreme, um, uh, heart, heartbreak and disappointment. And she's disillusioned for many different reasons. And she ends up go riding solo up in the high Sierras and she's sitting at a lake. She's fishing. She's independent. She knows how to take care of herself, but. Somehow, the the sky uh, clouds cluster over her head, and all of a sudden she is she's sobbing you know heaving with sobs because she's releasing all this tremendous emotion, and nature is big enough nature's mm. you know nature can absorb and and take whatever's hurting us it's really true. I feel that whatever's
0: going on in the world, sometimes you go out in nature, and she's like a hug. She is the ultimate mother, right? And Correct. she will, and she will also kick our butts when she needs to and wants to. Um, but she is like this healer only when you are open and, and ready for it.
1: And, and I ready think that's why,
0: yeah, that's why I think this show, this series of all these interviews today, um, is pretty amazing. What we've we've all these interviews so far, and Listening to them, and um, it's about getting out. And you don't have to go to Ecuador or Venezuela for some reason. I had to we work going to Venezuela today. I don't know why I got that stuck <laughs> in my head. But wherever you want to go, you don't have to go overseas. Sometimes it's just in no, your backyard. You and just I want have to kind of, go, Have to go oh, outdoors. You just have yeah, to go
1: outdoors.
0: <laughs> everyone has a community park, and if you don't have one, advocate one for one. One um, because whatever's good for us too is is quality of life is also good for the animals and for nature and it's very important that we have we make sure like there's a certified national the national wildlife federation has a wonderful program a certified backyard habitats where you make sure you plant native plants you give water shelter and don't use pesticides and things like that so the wildlife can be part and coexist There's a program through Dr. Doug Tallamy, a wonderful professor and author, bestselling author, who's getting kids to look at their backyard as a national park so that they don't use the pesticides. So they look at raccoons coming in their yard, but it's not that these animals are pests. It's about coexistence. And animals do work with you. I mean, right now we are in Lubbock, suburbia Lubbock, typical suburbia, right? And yes. at night, um, there's feral cats that the lady that we pet sit for is wonderful. She goes and gets them spayed. You know, catching feral cats is a whole other thing. And I hats off to this lady, wonderful lady, Cheryl, um, who's on our shows all the time, by the way. But, um, she traps these cats, gets them spayed and neutered, and then gets some homes. And then some of them are babies that still live here. Well, they're not babies anymore, but we've known them for four years. But, they they all find a place here. And you know what's happened over the years now? Suddenly, and it's happened over this last year. It's really quite interesting. She has possums nesting. She has rac- one, like a couple of raccoons that hang out. And, I mean, I'm talking suburbia. I'm not kidding. There's a Walmart down the street, right? <laughs> um, she has raccoons and one is so big. We're all going, oh, it's nesting time for her too. And she has two fox come and visit at night and eat mm-hmm. because she I puts that food out. So well, isn't well, this, this is cool, this coexistence that we can have and not to be afraid of it, but have a healthy respect of each other. Because as soon as you walk outside and the raccoons are there, they're going to actually pretty much leave. They're not going to hang out too much. They may saunter away a little bit and look at you and you can look at them. But um, there's a respect that they have, too. They They're more scared of us, quite frankly.
1: I think. Right. Well, living here in the Santa Monica Mountains, people are very, very conscious of all of this. And in fact, they've just spent, I'm thinking they're spending like $50 million building an overpass over the oh, one yeah. freeway so that the mountain lions and other creatures who live in our mountains can go across to a larger wilderness area so that they're not inbreeding and, you know, Going extinct, so there's a lot going on here in my hood, which is a pretty that's big cool. hood. Uh, yeah, you got to, a big hood to, to preserve nature, and that's part of why I uh, really love living here. Is because my neighbors, you know, have the same kind of respect that I do for mm. for the animals. Does it also? I know that you are also that you have
0: another hat that you wear, which is in the real estate world. Does Having a natural beauty, because we talk about this on shows about having community parks and industrial, like I was talking about the Backyard Wildlife Habitat Program, but I also think industrial parks and cities and downtowns, the more green space we can add, the less dead zone we create. We've been talking about this on shows for years, that the more dead, we create dead zones, just like we have in the ocean with oil spills and things like that and harmful algal blooms come in. We do that if we don't plant native plants and don't have these green spaces that are healthy for us as humans, uh, more trees, healthy for us humans, healthy for the birds, healthy for all of that. And the more we do green spaces, does that not actually benefit um, the community itself in
1: where they live? Well, absolutely, Lisa. You know, I mean uh i live in a very you know california is i think there's like 17 million people in the los angeles area my oh. my real estate office is in studio city and there's been a war going on there for the last oh 20 years to save a green space that has been there you know as a golf uh situation and tennis courts and people have fought and fought and fought you know to keep a little bit of green in their city but unfortunately uh developers have won and it's being taken away so you know we have to fight for our, our green spaces and um in the downtown areas there has been gentrification and you know renewal efforts uh, people are trying and they're some of them are growing their own vegetables you know in areas where they can't get good fresh produce mm-hmm. in their stores i mean there is a genuine effort but uh, I, I, more needs to be done, and uh, the government needs to help us preserve areas. Once again, in my area, people have people donate money to the conservancy so that they can buy more land when it comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the nature conservancy is amazing. Yeah, what they so do. we can keep our keep our spaces, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I live in a little uh, island, an enclave in the middle of it all. <laughs> So I'm blessed to be here, but once again, I I fought to be here to be to be living mm-hmm. in nature without you know leaving the city. I mean, you know, a person has to make a livelihood. But but also with you can't have the intent. I mean, look at Central Park, right, yeah.
0: um, in New York City. You need those green spaces to balance yes. off the city. You need absolutely. that absolutely,
1: absolutely.
0: Everyone needs it. And and I think what's interesting also about Ecuador, not Venezuela, when you went to Ecuador, this entire kind of a moratorium against noise. Right. And this is something our national parks, state parks, wildlife refuges are trying to really hard in balancing even like do we have Wi-Fi or not? And there's some negative things, especially with 5G that actually do impact insects and beneficial insects and all insects are beneficial, by the way, in some way, even mosquitoes are good for food for other birds. So just saying, as much as we don't <laughs> like mosquitoes, they are actually a food source. So we have to be a little nice, but you don't kill the birds that eat the mosquitoes or the bats. So, you know, this is the balance. But um being in a place where you talk about in your story that you know, boom boxes. So now you're dating yourself with a boom box, I'm just saying. <laughs> but no, well, it they're, at the, happens.
1: they're at the, but, the beach. People bring their music to the yeah, beach. Yeah, I don't. I go, really? Come on. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. No, 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 it's true. But I, you know, and I do love a good old boom box, honestly. But I like it like somewhere away from disturbing natural areas. But there's something about this noise and light pollution that is so big. And we've done a few interviews over the years about it of, and when I started to realize the impact of light pollution at night, um, it's huge because it, we have hundreds of thousands to millions of birds that fly through the night and our lights that we leave on actually screw them up. They, mm-hmm. we screw them up and they die over it. And that is just putting it straight up. So having these places and then being in it, your eyes do eventually adjust. Um, As a person who drives at night, I'm going to say, like, I wish there were more lights, but honestly, I appreciate it. And I go, well, then, you know, pull over if you can't do it, you know, but your eyes can adjust once you're there. And it takes, I think sometimes when we go into a place where you were in Ecuador, if you're in a high intensity place like New York City or L.A., in the city and you're used to all the beeps and everything. I think it takes a little bit to kind of wind down or maybe by the time you get there from a plane trip, you're winding down already. You're tired, but there is some, there is an emotional release that happens once you get to a place like that, where it is pure nature, untouched and real, untouched in the lightest way. I mean, it's obviously touched because people are there, but they're living in coexistence but I think it's something that America needs to strive uh, for a little bit more because um, I'm battling in national parks. And unless you go out in the complete wilderness to even, and I get why they have to have it. I get it. Like there's a certain area that here's the people area, here's the wilderness area. But cell phone towers, airplanes, I'm having a hard time taking a photograph without some form of pollution in nature today in this country. And this is what I do full-time is travel the country, documenting parks and public lands. And I'm here to say we have a problem. And when you talk about Ecuador, I'm like, oh my gosh, we could do this,
1: you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that's, what's so wonderful about it. And it's, it's not, it's not that far for me to, to get there. And Ecuador is having some political troubles at the moment. But it's it's a really beautiful little country, and it has a great deal to offer. Uh, as far as us, you know, the Rocky Mountain National Park the, and all the other national parks are requiring reservations now. because yep. I think so it's about it. And that does help, but at the same time, um, it discourages me from going because there's just too many people so um, I go to places that aren't necessarily, you know, big attractions, uh, but still beautiful. Mm. You know, after the COVID thing, I think a lot of people really needed to get out. And I think maybe this surge of overcrowdedness in the parks might change as we're able to travel more, you know, internationally. And, you know, I, I'm not sure of that though, because Americans feel safe in America. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I just I hope we find that. Well, I think also the shuttle services are a big deal, too. I know in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park in the summer, they have a shuttle that'll take you out of the major, you know, areas at the foothills like Three Rivers, Visalia, you know, Tulare, you know, Porterville. They have like a shuttle service that will take you up. And, And especially for people who don't know how to do a mountain pass and don't want to. There's a lot of us who don't like driving mountain passes um the their shuttle is great and you can get there and it'll take you to the different main trailheads so you don't have to and it's a lighter footprint into the park so i think in a lot of ways the parks are the parks are doing as much as they can they're working hard on noise pollution they're working hard on accessibility for folks who have walking issues or if they are um, deaf or blind different disabilities they're doing really good on accessibility um, so there's a lot of positives but i think what you're talking about with ecuador at the at the sasha lodge is this aspiration that we could look to you know of how we can be as a society in our parks and even just how we live, do we need that extra light on, you know, what, what do we need it for?
1: You know? Right. Well, I think if, I recommend someone, people to go there and stay there for a week and feel what it's like. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> to have I'll all you. that stuff going on. In fact, there was one man there that had a very tough time. Uh, settling in to the experience, you know, he wanted more action, you know, and it's not that kind of experience. You kind of have to slow down to get into nature and, and, you know, listen and be still. If you're quiet, you know, the animals will appear. If you're noisy and chatting all the time, you'll never see anything. That's right. That's right. It's the only time I'm
0: quiet is that nature. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, really true. It's true. Well, thank you so much, Linda. Everyone, keep up with Linda. Go to lostangeladventures.com and also hear her podcast with us every third Wednesday. And uh, we're always going somewhere new. You never know. So catch us there. Thank you so much,
1: Linda. All right, Lisa. Take care.
0: Hey, everybody. Part of our Nature Connection Destination show is about how we can get into nature and connect and then let us be stewards of the land, the habitat, the plants, the animals, uh the birds, all of that good stuff. And we cannot do this kind of show without Jamie Edwards joining us. Jamie is awesome. She's traveled the globe from Antarctica to Africa. She's uh, tracked silverback gorillas. But she's not talking about that today. We've done other podcasts with her when she's talked about it. Today, she's taking us to Stowe, Vermont, and this is a state, quite frankly, we know nothing about that we need to know about, right, Jamie? Welcome back. Yes, I
2: think so. I think everybody should go to Stowe. Okay, if you say so, I'll go. I do. (laughs) Stowe is a wonderful, a wonderful town in. Northern Vermont, about um, an hour from Burlington Airport, and about two hours south of Montreal. Okay, so pretty well accessed, easy access to get there. Yeah, really easy access. It's direct flights from where I live in D.C., from a lot of big cities. And the the charming town of Stowe itself uh, is only a a really quick 40-minute drive From Burlington Airport and a really pretty drive with the mountain views.
0: You know, this is so cool that it's accessible, yet it seems like the actual community and everyone, uh, Jamie's got a great article on her website, which is iamlostandfound.com. And we're linking it in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Spotify, Apple, wherever, it is linked there. So you can go read her article and see her photos, which are beautiful. It seems like the community itself is connected to its nature spots and keeping the integrity of charm and beauty. And it that they understand that the natural beauty, you know, the community has to maintain that to make it what it is to live in and then also be a destination for visitors.
2: You're absolutely right. And in fact, the town itself has done a lot of things to really make that marriage between the community. Tourists and tourism and nature so interlinked. Uh, in the summer, for instance, uh, well, all year round, they have a recreational path that is miles and miles of bike paths, walking paths, rollerblading paths, um, over bridges, over streams, through mountain passes. You can pull over with a picnic and sit by the brook. You can have some. Oh tubes they really work hard to make it where nature abounds and they really want the tourists uh, and visitors to be able to take advantage of it and in the fall uh Stowe is really well known for its fall foliage and um, people kind of come from the certainly the country over, but even throughout the world to see the beautiful uh, leaf colors of Stowe. So it gets really popular then. And then, of course, uh, the mountains of Stowe, the ski mountains, are absolutely pristine and beautiful and well-kept so that when you're skiing, you're always able to appreciate the nature around you. So they're balancing, they're also balancing agriculture too, right, with the cornfields? Absolutely. In fact, there are still a lot of cornfields there. And, uh, the, there's a quiet path as well as a rec path. And the quiet path is just beautiful too. And when it means quiet, it means that you can't bike, uh, that you can't have any kind of motorized, um, vehicles. Oh, wow. And you can bring your dogs and walk and they go right through the cornfields across the streams. And so that's another thing that the town has put in place. To really uh, promote and highlight the nature, and a lot of these paths go sort of right behind some great watering holes where you could go sit up, uh, have lunch beside a garden. You uh, so they integrate it with the town really well.
0: Mm. So with you going there, it's amazing because you've been all around the world. Do you? How did you feel, having you know been to Antarctica, like I mentioned the Silverback gorillas, and I know you've been all over when you're just going up the road from your home, really, <laughs> not far right from d c yeah. area yeah, um yeah. how did you feel in regards to all oh, this is did you feel like that awe moment when you get into nature that you're appreciating everything there, and it's it's beautiful and magical, even though you're not in a in a wild country somewhere.
2: Uh, I would say that, well, anywhere you can put yourself in nature, you can find beautiful things and um, nature lovers know that Um, finding a caterpillar on the ground that you know is going to grow into a beautiful monarch butterfly or uh, seeing a a really interesting snake. So people who love nature and wildlife will be as thrilled with Antarctica as they would be in a place like Stowe where you just have to sort of look for you don't even have to look very far. Everything's sort of surrounding you. And that is, I guess, the beauty of uh Stowe in so many ways is that from the micro to the macro, there's really beautiful nature. You can hike endless trails to beautiful, pristine lakes, or you can walk out to a small pond and find little frogs and um, apples. So they're really, it really, to me, uh, is as magical as anywhere else I've been on Earth, and I. It's beautiful.
0: Like I'm the biased. photos, I'm looking. At this. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you got like mountain views. Like you're on top, and you're still like looking out on mountains. Like, yeah. it's amazing. Those the are, like are so
2: beautiful. There's like, la- I mean, any time of year you go, you get these layers of blue and green, and for for miles and miles, uh, just clear air, fresh, crisp air. And a lot of like-minded people, too, who love to Mm -hmm. hike and uh, enjoy the outdoors. So
0: they're understanding the balance of nature and living and farming. And farming needs the pollinators, so you better take care of, you know, the Mm -hmm. land, right? In fact, our
2: neighbors up there, my my parents have lived there for many years, which is why I know it so well. Our neighbors up in Stowe keep bees. Uh, About a 10-minute walk up the street from our house is a, a sage goat farm, where of course there's goats and they sell cheese on the honor system. Everywhere wow. you know, there are cows somewhere, goats, sheep. Uh it so you really do feel like you're at at in in nature and among uh, agriculture and farming, it feels good.
0: Okay, so I do have a friend from Vermont, um, a young friend who has had a tumultuous childhood let's put it that way mm-hmm. and found solace in the woods of vermont and you know what he's doing what it's all about mushrooms yeah and apparently the woods of vermont and i don't know quite where he is, but it i mean he's a happy individual now but the basically being out in nature in vermont has changed his life from tumultuous to serenity now you know Mm. like a seinfeld serenity Mm. now um you know to find it's like the mushrooms and i'm like in a weird mushroom kick in the appalachian forest Mm areas like i'm weird about it now it's like a whole new thing yeah because they're so fascinating so did you experience any mushrooms
2: you know i haven't i mean as far as except for just like viewing them and seeing them and actually photographing some beautiful things Uh, you see them in the woods and they are sometimes incredibly uh designy and 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 beautiful almost art like uh when they're clinging to the trees and coming out of the ground so absolutely because a lot of vermont is very mossy and wet so that really, I think, I'm no mushroom expert, but from what I understand, they really need that wet moss and soil to grow. And uh, there is a lot of that opportunity in Vermont. I, yeah. In I have no clue about them
0: other than that they're ancient beings connected with our trees mm. and they've been here longer than dinosaurs. They're that old. And um, their networks are that old. Oh, that, that's God. crazy. That's some real DNA, right? and um i just i'm always in awe like i've seen this perfectly beautiful sculpted mushroom that comes up beautifully sculpted in yeah. its natural way and the next day i look and it's got all this hair <laughs> and it, the hair is blowing in the breeze i'm like you got spores baby and like yeah. you know why can't i make my hair do that you know <laughs> so it's kind of interest that's the thing about nature is like there's so many little moments to capture and do you find that as a travel writer going into all these natural places that it kind of m- makes you look at the tiny, like you were talking about in Vermont, you're looking at the microscopic, smaller beings and actually having awe over those because we're always so focused on, Oh, we got to see the big five in Africa. And then it's like, Oh, is giraffe included or not? Well, giraffe is being killed, <laughs> So we need to include the giraffe and everything right now and save them. I, but-
2: um, I completely agree that. Uh, for those who are willing to really take the time to look and Vermont and Stowe are one of those places that just inherently has like your friend discovered this built-in slowness to it, this quiet luxury where you are not, your brain is not frazzled. You're able to find things, whether it's the smallest, as you said, sculpted mushroom or an Eagle flying overhead Mm -hmm. uh, or something really large. uh, That is part of the beauty of being in nature is being able to train your brain to notice these things. Do you think that the
0: tourism aspects of Stowe, the town itself do like the hotels and restaurants and things, do they understand the sustainable footprint that we need to have now?
2: Oh, absolutely. Like a in fact, light light footprint. Of, yeah. Um, one of our favorite restaurants is called Plate and it's right on the main street in Stowe. And a lot of their, almost everything is Foraged from nearby. They take great care, uh, to, to source locally as a lot of restaurants do. And I absolutely think that almost everywhere has really changed their ways. Uh, if, if they hadn't started that way, they are becoming that way where they are increasingly, uh, staying local, being environmentally conscious. So I absolutely think that Stowe is one of those places. In fact, Stowe has never allowed a neon sign in its town. They just, No neon. They try to stick to their roots, their sort of classic old world roots. As a travel writer, do you
0: seek out more of these natural spaces? um, Just like for your personal enjoyment, right? We all know we when you there's a recharge that happens, your body gets exhilarated when you go out in nature, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that personal like, ooh. um, But do you want your writing and photography to inspire others to understand the importance of nature
2: not just admiring it and being in it and loving it but to actually protect it i do and it's uh, i like that you brought that up because my travel focus has changed over the years and even with that trip to antarctica where the expedition i went with was very cautious about the Footprint that they had overall that um every single part of the expedition uh promoted care for the planet um and that that trickles down you know i I go on a trip like that, and I talk to my kids about what I've learned when it comes to helping protect the planet, and we teach one another about it mm. so i I do feel like my travels have changed and focus much more on sustainability and going places that care about the planet, wow, so Travel has changed you then. Mm, oh God. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, in the best way, best
0: possible way. Oh, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. And so now this has become a dialogue in within your family about sure. nature and sustainability.
2: Yes. In fact, my daughter uh, who's 20 is studying environmental science and she is studying all the effects of, of global warming she is talking about tipping points in her classrooms, about uh, the temperature rising. So she has and she would like to go into photojournalism uh, and writing. And I think that um, environmental science is where she wants to be. So I'm really proud. You go, girl. You've been a good mama. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: I love it. See, but it does change. You You can't travel and not be changed. True. You're going to get stronger as an individual, too. Right. And you, you can discern and make decisions better by travel. And nature will teach you true life. It will. It'll teach you the good, the bad, and sometimes you see the ugly and you go, dang, but that's survival, right? So um, I bring that up in nature conversations all the time because I think it's important that we understand nature um, and not put her down for how animals survive and you know have to do kills and things like that. I've talked about this on this entire series of nature connection shows because um just because animals do that for survival doesn't mean human beings get to treat each other that way and and sometimes people look at nature and use that as a cop out, and mm. I don't think
2: we should so I agree, I agree with you one hundred percent the the rules of the of the jungle are far different than ours, yeah, and we created our own jungle,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yes, you were
2: right. We did. We did. But I think we've got
0: these places and I love that you focused on Vermont. I love hearing about it. And uh, everyone, the link to, uh, you know, Jamie's article is up in the show notes and her website as well. I hope you follow her on Instagram. I love following her on Instagram. My God, she's taking us um, somewhere all the time. And I'm like, (laughs) dude, I'm jealous. When you get (laughs) jealous, the thing you need to do is start planning how you're going to get there so you don't have jealousy in your life. (laughs) So, um, you know, I am lost and found, right? Yes. I am lost yeah. On on Instagram and then also our website. So
2: thank you so much, Jamie. It's always a pleasure. Lisa, I love talking to you about nature, about everything, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. We'll see you next time. I hope so.
0: Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show. Follow us at bigblendradio.com and keep up with Margot at MargoCarrera.etsi.com.